0: in the marketplace. We'll be back with you soon with some new episodes of Bottom Line Faith, but for now, we hope and pray that this episode will be of tremendous value to help you live out your faith in the marketplace.
1: And now, the show that bridges the gap between faith and business. Welcome to Bottom Line Faith.
0: On today's show, Ray sits down with Charlie Haynes, founder of The Provident Project. Understand. God's will
1: and abide in his will in the basic areas of your life. Not because you're going through the motions, but you're doing it because both the love and the fear that you have. The love you want to reason. The fear is the beginning of wisdom.
0: Hello, everyone. This is Ray Hilbert. I am your host here at Bottom Line Faith. We'd like to welcome you back to another episode. I am in Birmingham, Alabama, and I am really, really excited to have a conversation today with my friend, and now to be your friend, Charlie Haynes. Charlie is the founder of the Provident Project, a company uh, headquartered here in Birmingham, and uh, we're going to learn all about Charlie and his story today. So Charlie, first, thank you for joining us today, and welcome to Bottom Line Faith. It's terrific to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Well, well, Charlie, I am really excited to get into your story and into your journey because it's a powerful one, and I just know that our listeners are going to be encouraged and blessed and, and, and prayerfully even challenged today. But would you take just a moment and tell us about the provident project and particularly something that's caught my attention i don't know whether you, this is a tagline or or the purpose or exactly why i'm hoping you'll help us understand more but you talk about unstatus your quo so tell us about the provident project and what do you mean by unstatus your quo unstatus your quo means to change change
1: the life that you're living right now And it's for people who know deep down inside, either from sadness, frustration, they've had these uh, adrenaline-producing experiences in life trying to fill a hole in their life. Uh, They may even be fearful, and they know they need to change. And so we felt that Unstatus or Quo was a fitting description of what they will go through and a a, a tagline or just a whatever one may want to call it
0: to describe the process that they're about to go through. I love that. And and we're going to talk more about that. And so tell us then a little bit more about the Provident Project, uh, your company, and how it is that you you go about helping people work through that process. Well, first of all, people uh, go through a
1: self-assessment and they decide, I need this. And so what we do is we have a five session process that includes, it pulls from biology, psychology, theology, business techniques, Uh, their exercises, and through that process, people clarify their purpose, and then they're set up to take action to fulfill their purpose.
0: So recently, I had a chance to, uh, and this is true, I was in a a city in another state, and I was in a bookstore, and I noticed there's an incredible... I don't know, percentage of the store that had books, self-help books, psychology books. It seems like we're living in a culture that you know we have everything, and yet we feel so empty and so hollow. So talk to, to us a little bit about this issue of finding purpose. What does that mean? And is it greater than just going to work and making a living and providing for my family? How What does that mean, and how do you help, help me understand that? Yes, we, we call it the big question when people say, how can I discover
1: my purpose in life, and then live a life to fulfill that purpose? The big question. That's a very complicated question. And one of the differences that we see in the process that the Lord has led us to develop is that it splits that question into three digestible uh, components leading to an action plan and a, a tool that you can use for the rest of your life. The first part of it is the why. That's This is the why, how, what, that Simon Sinek has made so famous, popular. The why is, you have to answer the question, why was mankind created? And once you understand that, you've got your purpose because we're all members of mankind. The next step is how do we fulfill the purpose? Still, as members of mankind... And the answer to that question is to abide in God's will in the basic areas of life. And then we move on to how you individually, uniquely, and when I say unique, unique is an absolute. Uh, Some people say very unique or somewhat unique. No, it's not somewhat or very unique is unique. And God has designed each of us uniquely. There has never been somebody like you, Ray. There's nobody like you now, and there never will be somebody like you, just just like you. And so we explore what about you and what actions you can take to increase your abidance in God's will, ultimately leading to fulfilling the purpose that he has for you.
0: I'm really excited to dive into this. And and if it's okay with you, Charlie, in a few moments, I'd like to maybe have you share a couple of the powerful questions or a couple of aspects of that journey that you take your clients on Mm -hmm. around their purpose But this whole thing, as I understand it, what you're doing now uh, with your company is really a result of the journey that God has had you on. Can we talk about that?
1: Absolutely. And this may be one big, fat, hairy projection of myself on others, (laughs) but my calling is to help people avoid what I did, the mistakes I've made, and then what to do, not just avoid But what can you do in a positive way that the lessons that the Lord has given us throughout our life and and direct that energy, our faith, our love to really trying to glorify him?
0: okay so in order to do that let's let's walk let's walk through your story let's walk through your journey were you brought up in a christian home or an environment uh how and when did you come into a relationship with christ just give us some framework of understanding of your story and your your pathway
1: yes i uh i was born in lynchburg virginia but i basically grew up outside of new york city Uh, i've lost my accent as you can probably tell Uh, it was a cultural christian home And then there's an incident where I did an intervention with my mother at age 16, and my father ultimately ended up choosing the enabling relationship with her over me and over my sister and my brother, and so I felt I I was on my own, and I just gave up on stuff, and I became an agnostic, and there I was. I was on my own. Fortunately, however, I was sent off to prep school, and I attended some amazing schools, and if... A human being on this earth can have have numerous opportunities, and I had many opportunities. However, even overtly from one of the schools, I learned that I was supposedly part of the intelligentsia, part of the leadership class. Arrogant, had some prejudices, and and I grew into this ugly person. I, now, frankly, I had successes in the war, you know, from the in the worldly life, but it was I just had this big hole still. And so at age 44, two men came into my life and an incident happened. And I ended up having, at age 44, having an intellectual acceptance of the Trinity, what it might mean and all, but I was just still sort of plugging along at that. But it was a step away from agnosticism. And then the nine years, the toughest, probably the toughest nine years of my life happened, where I started a division of the company that I had at that time, right before recession, I had cancer, Three operations that same year. My alcoholic mother and my father moved to town, disrupting. It ended up disrupting some relationships. She died. A divorce. Two children with medical issues. Uh, I, I just. I could go on and on.
0: These were all things going on in your life. In my life. Wow.
1: And that was after I said, "Okay, God. I, I mean, I, in Jesus, and I, hey, I'm, I'm with you." And this intellectual understanding, but He had more to teach me, and. And what, what a big event in my life was when I realized, woe is me is not working during this, these years. But what did work is when I said, Lord, I know you're trying to teach me something. And I leaned into every one of these events and tried to learn what he was trying to teach me. And so that was a, a big change in my life. And then I... cancer. It had to come back. And when you have prostate cancer and if it comes back in seven years, that's not a good sign. Now, fortunately, I'm okay, and I'm one of the only two patients in the practice that had a certain kind of situation and all that says it looks like I'm not going to have to go with some of the treatments, and I'm going to live for quite a bit longer. And so I was contemplating that and and stepped into an elevator uh, in the lobby, and it was around lunchtime, so I don't know why nobody else was in it because there are always people in the elevator around lunchtime. And I closed the doors, and I finally surrendered to Christ. Right there in an elevator. Yes. And I, 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 it's really hard to describe what happened. It's i would never felt the the power and the strength and the the profound peacefulness and the uh, elation, and I, I just with my pea brain, you know, I just can't come up with the words to describe what it felt like. And then I was on the fifth floor, and the doors opened it opened to my new life and and i was literally just walking around the lobby still nobody there around lunchtime which is extraordinary I, what just happened i i have no i have no plan i don't know what's going on what, what where is this going to lead me where and so there I was and i grabbed the door handle of the office and i walked in and, and i just went in my office and closed the door and Well, I didn't have a plan, and I I know that, well, I don't want to compare myself at all, but a tiny bit to Paul in the road to Damascus. I just had my road to Damascus experience, I felt, and I had no plan, and I didn't know what to do. Well, the economy, uh, my first uh, test of my faith, I had to fire the number two person at the business. I thought it was going to collapse, and it didn't, and then the Great Recession hit, and all kinds of things were a distraction. I was going to church and and singing in the choir and then, but it just I was so thirsty I wasn't getting it at that particular church, and so a, a stepson actually said, uh, Charlie, there's this church down the road called Brook Hills where this fellow by the name of David Platt is preaching, and I think you might like that. And so, sure enough, I became a believer when I was in the elevator. But with David and Matt Mason and listening to podcasts, Francis Chan and many others, I became a follower, and there is quite a difference.
0: Can we talk about that, you know, this fifth floor Damascus Road experience, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. you didn't step into that elevator expecting that. You had a Mm -hmm. divine visit from the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. And so would you elaborate? You had been a believer in Christ at that point how long? That years. was probably uh, five years. So let's say you had been a believer in Jesus mm-hmm. for roughly five years, and, mm-hmm. and ne- years prior to that had this intellectual relationship or mm-hmm. understanding. Yes. But tell us more about your understanding and experience of the difference between now being a follower of Jesus versus just a believer in Jesus.
1: All in Motives different, rather than showing up and singing at the choir in the very visible way. Aren't I a Christian? Or I mean, and I don't mean to come off as that people are doing that. Everybody's like that, but for me, that's kind of what it was like. And and going through the motions. But as with after experiencing what I experienced, my children start saying, "Who's this new dad? Why I wanted to do things was different. My outlook. It ultimately led to me." I was in the wealth management business and my clients were millionaires to people worth hundreds of millions and i just was convicted of here i'm doing this i'm helping already wealthy people become wealthier and there's nothing wrong with the wealth but the increase in the wealth and all and i was possibly helping increase their sense of self-reliance and with that i was possibly leading them away from christ and i could relate to that the self-reliance and not leaning on Jesus. So I couldn't do that anymore. I tried some different ways and all, but I I was all in and I couldn't be all in in the position that I was in. And so that is what inspired the Provident Project to help
0: people be all in. And so you started this firm, the Provident Project, and then what happened to your wealth management firm? Did did you just kind of step out of that, or oh yeah, that's a good
1: point. I forgot the minor detail. I sold it. Okay, (laughs) okay, okay. And I sold it to a great organization led by just an amazing Christian. But I just had to be all in. I'm 63 years old, and I just wanted to use the time that I had left and the and the the gifts that God has given me and the, the uh, financial resources to
0: help others. Okay. So, Charlie, if if uh, someone's really intrigued by what we've talked about so far and they want to learn more about you or about the Provident Project, what's the best way for them to track you down? Well, they can find us at
1: unstatusyourquo.com. Say that again. unstatusyourquo.com. And we know we've made up a word,
0: <laughs> but it seems to fit. it's it's fantastic and, and it sticks. it's very sticky and it's it, even more importantly it's significant. and so charlie just one more point and then I want to get more into what you're doing now with the the provident project but but in your own journey your own experience how is your life different? How are your priorities different? What are the conversations that are different now that you're a follower of Jesus? Where does your time go differently now that you're a follower of Jesus versus being a believer? What is truly different in your life? My priorities are solid now.
1: I have so much awareness, studying God's will for me in those areas, and, and so I, I, I've become a much better steward of my time. And, and right now, that's really my most limited resource. Some people may say my gifts are a, a limiting resource for me. <laughs> for the few. But, um, and then financially, and so much better steward of that. Their intentionality is absolutely part of everything I do. I'm also, I, I have a hard time being participants in conversations about treating symptoms as opposed to causes. For example, my wife and I do some work in, uh, I'll just say Africa, some medical clinics. And when people say, well, why are you going to that part of the world? And I'll include some of the Middle East in that. And they said, why? And I said, well, there are no amount of guns, soldiers, anything. that has been going on for years and years and years. Discord. What they need is Jesus. That's the only solution to all that's going on in the Middle East and Africa and the civil wars and all. And so that's another change. And and going to an area, yes, it, some people will say it's I mean it's in the top ten dangerous areas, but we we have to go. We have to go to the nations.
0: That's a pretty specific example. It's something that's different uh-huh. and really putting it on the line, right? So let's talk then a little bit about um, some of the things that, in your own journey, that led you and lead you in the, in the Provident Project. So you've made some mistakes along the way. Mm-hmm. So what's a mistake or two that you can look back on and say, I learned this from that mistake and maybe you can pass along? What, what's a big mistake you made and what'd you learn from it? What kind of husband I was.
1: Uh, paying too much, uh, spending too much time on the business, the career, not not taking time to notice the little things. I'm going from a big issue to a smaller one, not noticing the little things, not being vulnerable as much. Not, I mean, there are just so many things that I learned that uh, my I am re- have remarried to an amazing lady, hmm. this amazing wife that... Uh, where we pray together at night, we're growing together. We're, I mean, equally yoked, and just loves the Lord. I just learned so much that I'm now a fortune. I have the opportunity to, to love and lead Nancy, and it's just, it's um it's an amazing. I mean, I, I'm just maybe I had tears before, and now I have tears and smiles. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's been terrific. And I and and I pray that others. Uh, I have 15 things that I now say to my children as they're about to get married or recently married about marriage and money. And my uh, 28-year-old twin and I, just two weeks ago, went through it together with his wife listening in, and he and I and she were all in tears. And it's just because of the heartfelt, biblically-based expressions that—and he's not a believer, but I I pray— that my children will, because that's another mistake. Because I was not a, a follower of Christ, I did not teach them. Mm. And so they're out in the world, not without Christ. I mean, no, not right. believing it. So yeah. it's... Uh,
0: one of those things that you wish you had done differently, I guess, right?
1: Yes, but I have an opportunity now where in one of the groups that's going through the the purpose process or the unstatus quo process, I uh, talked to him... Uh, Yes, a Monday. And he told me that he already, after just two sessions, I mean he's changed what he I mean one session actually, and we had a second session impromptu over the phone, but he is already making changes in his life and his um such as he's praying with his five year old a little bit. And then the five year old said, Daddy, in six days I wanna pray. <laughs>
0: and so he's
1: leading his child his son in in prayer and just to see the changes in the the growth in these men and being better and and also women have gone through so mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. it's uh it's just been so rewarding oh i love it i love it well charlie one of the questions that i'm curious about um you know you talked about earlier on maybe not paying attention to your wife or your family the way you should have and now you've got a second chance mm-hmm. right to, to do it in a different way but this kind of then begs the question around you know, this concept of balance or addressing priorities in life. So I, I think I know what your answer is going to be, but how do you balance it all? I intentionally don't.
1: Say that again. I intentionally do not try to lead a balanced life. That is more of a Buddhist concept, and we should not have a balanced life. We should be focused on, let's say... Assuming faith is your number one priority, and that should receive more attention than anything else from us and of, uh, of the time, talent, and treasure compared to something like rest. Now, rest is important, but my wife and I intentionally decide: all right, we're just not going to have as much rest as we might have normally have this year because we're going to go two to three times to that. Country, and do what we do there, and yeah, we're going to be tired this year, a little bit more tired this year. But that's
0: that's an intentional decision that we have that we have made. So that's about more about a life of priority and not a life of balance. Correct. That's what I'm hearing. Am yes. I, am I getting that? That is correct. Okay. So now I've come to this point in this conversation. I am just dying to know more about this whole concept of unstatus your quo, and I want to dive in a little bit deeper what would be the type of person or what kinds of thoughts or feelings would a person be having right now or uncertainties that, that need to talk to Charlie and need to know about this process? Would you help me understand that?
1: Yes. It's going to be people who are frustrated with the status quo, people who are curious about Can it be different? Or they have the sense that life can be more fulfilling. Or they have fear. Or they're just sad. They've gone through an event in life and they or, or even empty nester. talked to a lady who said she didn't know who she was. She had poured so much into her children. She didn't even know what her favorite food was because she'd just been feeding everybody else or what her favorite color or music or she didn't know who she was. So this can help somebody be reoriented and understand, okay, here is my purpose and now how I can fulfill it. We have a self-assessment questionnaire. And just to give you you know, there are fifteen questions, and you would answer never, sometimes, or often. I had a client who said this: "said We are too busy living life to think about life." And so one, and, and I thought, "Oh, that is so sad that they're they're caught up in the country club and the presidency. He was president, and all that. I mean, it, just all kinds of stuff. Trappings. Yeah." What well, trappings, but also activity. Mm-hmm. And um, so one of the questions is, do you have a sense that you're too busy living life to think about life? You're on the treadmill. And that's happening today in our economy, growing so quickly and, and don't have enough people to hire. And so organizations are requiring more of their people. People are getting busier and busier and busier. With Facebook, encouraging activities, busier and busy. If you want to have a f- fake Facebook life, you have to do this and this and this. A feeling that you are stuck in a rut without direction or an escape route is another one. Just a general sense that there's something missing in your life that you you can't pinpoint. Um, A constant need for adrenaline-producing experiences like buying the latest stuff, fancier vacations, more success at work, more money, a better car, etc., to fill an emptiness in your life. It's not going to do it a desire to leave a lasting and meaningful legacy. Well, it just so happens, at least my thoughts are, a lasting legacy is the natural consequence of a fulfilled purpose. You can't say, okay, I'm going to have a lasting legacy and try to go for the end result. It just happens if you have a fulfilled life. So, I mean, there there are all kinds of questions, and, um, and we have three different ways that people can go through the process uh, we're going to have two more next year
0: or later this year and yeah. is that yeah well in, in fact that's a great segue because okay I'm lis- let's say I'm listening to this conversation I go wow some of those questions and things that you just that describes me you mm-hmm. know I, I'm running this company or I'm leading this or doing this and doing it and these are the things that I'm feeling and I'm on this treadmill or rat race you know the the and so forth but Charlie's in Birmingham, Alabama, and I'm in Burbank, California, or I'm in New York City, or I'm in you know my hometown of Indianapolis. Can you still help me? Yes, I, I can help you in
1: three different ways. One would be one-on-one, and whether it's Skype, Zoom, or using technology, uh, that's one way. Another way is that you could join a group, and we have two versions of a group, whether it's a... Facebook meeting group or a group in your area, we've had people who said, hey, I want to do this, but I want to do it in a group because part of it is studying scripture and I want to hear the thoughts of others. And so they form a group. Uh, the other way is uh, as an individual on the internet with a combination of videos and different levels of coaching, you can go through that. And, and by the way, I know this may sound like some advertisement. This is I, we're not trying to make a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. This is, well, frankly, doing just fine, have done just fine. This is to reach more people, and we want to drive the cost down farther and farther. And the Pastor John that I talked about before said, Charlie you're thinking too small. Hmm. He was the one who encouraged me. You're probably just thinking of America or North America. And I said, "Uh, yes, sir. And he said, it's the world's church needs this. And he wants it to go to the countries where he is equipping pastors and helping them lead people in, in this process. So we're not trying to make a bunch of money. We're just trying to go to the nations with something that can strengthen Christians.
0: That's fantastic. Uh, and I'm suspecting that if I'm a, uh, let's say I'm a business owner listening to this conversation, is this something that might help the leaders in my company? Um, let's face it, as stewardship, one of my roles is I, I, I need to help my people be better and perform better and bring results in their leadership. Is this a process that might help them as well? Well,
1: it's funny that you just mentioned that. Uh, earlier... This wasn't pre-planned, by No, the way. it wasn't. No, it wasn't. <laughs> received an email from a fellow I'd talked to. He's a mentor of young people and he's the CEO of a, a corporation. And I was telling him about it and he said, well, I've got somebody, a young person on my staff I think could benefit from this, maybe make it part of his developmental plan. And I got an email from him and I said, well, what's the latest? And he said, well, actually, I think I'm, I need it. <laughs> and so uh, he, he's going to go through the process. And so Absolutely and
0: he will be a better steward of everything that God has given him after this process. Oh, I love it, Charlie. So, Charlie, one more time, tell us how listeners can learn about you and what you're doing at the Provident Project. How can they find you? They can go to the website, which is
1: unstatusyourquo all one word, .com.
0: Yeah, very good, unstatisyourquo.com. Very intriguing uh, website link there, mm-hmm. very intriguing. You said made-up word, but I love it. It's sticky, and it's very intriguing to me. So, Charlie, you've, you've been on this amazing journey. God has moved you through this process. You've talked about going from being a believer, an intellectual understander, to a believer, to now a follower of Christ. And so you've obviously been on a great journey. And so I, I would like you to just take a couple of moments. There's a couple of questions I want to ask around this whole concept of advice. I would like you to imagine in your mind going back and giving advice to the 20-year-old you. What advice would the 63-year-old Charlie give to the 20-year-old Charlie? Well, it's going to be the,
1: the, the overall, it's going to be understand God's will and abide in his will in the basic areas of your life. Properly motivated, though, it's not because you're going through the motions and this is something you're supposed to do, but you're doing it because of both the love and the fear that you have the love you want to please him the fear is the beginning of wisdom of gaining wisdom and so with proper motives and abiding in his will for you
0: you will please him i love it i love it so charlie the um the last question i love to ask is based out of proverbs chapter 4 verse 23. And I I read this every time. These are the words of Solomon, who says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. And so, Charlie, I want you to imagine that you have a chance at the end of your time, this side of eternity, to gather your, your family, your friends, those who are most precious to you, and you now get the chance to pass along in your mind what is the single most important piece of advice that you could pass along. I'd like you to pass that along to our audience now. So fill in the blank. Above all else...
1: Besides what I just said, I would say look to Matthew, I think 621. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And for the grandparents and parents in the world, I say our children and our grandchildren learn more from us by our actions, not our words. And so how we spend our time and how we spend our money and use our gifts says, gives them the lessons that they learn. And I'd also add to that, I think it's James 4.17 talking about the sin of omission. When you know what to do, but you don't do it, that is also a sin. So make your mistakes by commission. Make your mistakes by trying and you'll avoid the sin, you know, some of the sin of omission. And I guess lastly, for a corporate executive or manager, people are not trying to make mistakes. When they make a mistake, ask three questions. First is, what in our process let you down? And if it wasn't the process, you know, clarifying the process, and all, what in our training let you down? And if the training was adequate and all, then we have to work on what in you let you down. That way you can create a safe environment. People know when there are mistakes because there always will be mistakes, but there will be a process, a safe process to go through and say, okay, well, let's fix the process. And it takes it, okay, you tried, the process just wasn't good enough. Yeah. But too often we we go directly to the person.
0: I really love that, Charlie. And uh, recently, I had a chance to interview an amazing businessman out of Houston, Texas. His name was Dougal Cameron. And he made made this statement. He says, why do people lie? And he was talking about in business, particularly, why do people lie? Why do they cover up? And he said, it's because we have created an environment where they don't feel that it's safe to make a mistake. Mm -hmm. And so then they feel the need to be perfect and cover up when they're less than perfect. That's what I'm hearing. That's just reinforcing that. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? I do. I love it. Well, folks, my friend, now mm-hmm. your friend, Charlie Haynes, the founder of the Provident Project in Birmingham, Alabama. If you want to learn what it means, and I love this, to unstatus your quo, that sounds dangerous to me, Charlie. That <laughs> sounds risky. That sounds exciting, but it also sounds very countercultural. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like something God is probably calling me to consider, probably calling our audience to consider. So I want to thank you for joining us on today's Bottom Line Faith program.
1: Thank you so much, Ray, for
0: this opportunity. You got it. You got it. Well, folks, I know that you have been encouraged by our guest Charlie Haynes today. This is what we're all about here at Bottom Line Faith. As we say on every program, look, if just one person hears this conversation that we've had today with Charlie and your challenge, just one, and this whole concept that charlie's been talking about unstatus your quo become a true follower find your purpose if that has resonated with you today then this program has been a success, and that's our prayer. If even just one of you today is encouraged to take that next step, and I want to encourage that the next step is for you to reach out. Get in touch with Charlie. Go to his website, unstatisherquo.com. Talk to your pastor. Talk to a business advisor. Talk to someone who's going to challenge you to become more of who and what God is calling you to be. That's what we're all about here at Bottom Line Faith. Hey, listen, the way you can help out the ministry here at Bottom Line Faith, the number one thing you can do is obviously continue to pray for the growth and success of the program. The second thing is we need you to provide reviews. Go on to your podcast platform, whether it's uh, iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, wherever you're listening to this, go online, give us a positive review. That helps to build traffic, that helps to build awareness. God is opening up some tremendous doors here at Bottom Line Faith, and we need your support. One last thing, if you are a Christ follower and you are in business and you're looking for community, we'd love for you to check out Truth at Work. We at Truth at Work are the host ministry for the Bottom Line Faith program. Check out that website at truthatwork.org, and you can learn about the roundtables that we host in communities all across the country. And if there is a group not meeting in your community, guess what? You can tap in now to our virtual models for roundtable participation. So thank you so much for joining us here at Bottom Line Faith. Until next time, I am your host, Ray Hilbert, encouraging you to be all that God is calling you to be as a leader in the marketplace. God bless, and we'll see you next time. Bottom Line Faith is brought to you by Truth at Work. If you'd like to hear about new episodes or listen to past episodes, visit us online at bottomlinefaith.org. You can also subscribe to the show through Google Play and iTunes.